Hello and welcome to the We All Follow the Arsenal podcast, um, the Arsenal podcast that reviews, previews and discusses everything in relation to Arsenal Football Club. Um, it's been quite a while since we've recorded. Um, as we've been saying for quite a while, we've wanted to look more professional, have graphics, audio and start uploading onto podcast forums. Um, and for those of you that don't know me and George are absolutely awful with technology, but we have somehow been able to sort it out. And also for the, for the graphics that you guys will be seeing on the social media outlets, hit up Lacazette on Twitter. Um, you would have seen me retweet his, his the artwork he's done. He's a great graphic designer for anyone interested. Um, so yeah, we're going to be on iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, obviously, we'll still upload to YouTube. And any other podcast forum you viewers out there uh, recommend, feel free, feel free to get in contact with either myself or, or George and let us know any recommendations and we'll look to see where we can branch out further in terms of where we actually put our podcast anyways George uh how are you today bro I feel like every time we podcast is after an Arsenal win uh although I don't I don't really remember it being after an away win so I'm actually very very good how are you doing have you got that quote written down (laughs) I don't but it's just sort of a sort (laughs) of a thing just 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 to just to let the listeners know we've been trying to get the audio working for this for this recording or to we've actually done the first five minutes a few times but it didn't work because the uh the quality of the audio so george said the exact same opening on every single attempt just so no one thinks that, that no one gets all confused on that one <laughs> um so yeah george obviously last night uh was was actually a very i'd say an eventful away day it was certainly very far from straightforward um it was very tense but we grinded out the result and we we, we won the game one nil something which we, obviously we haven't won a game away from home which i think from huddersfield which is seems like months ago now um and in regards to our running obviously that sort of confidence from 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 a win especially away at Watford who are notoriously a good side this season um will, will hopefully on a confidence level prove, prove valuable George what did you make of the of the of the the, the away day overall before we kind of dissect the game well the first thing I want to say is we hadn't kept a clean sheet away from home all season until last night so that's just another point to raise I think the away fans, I mean, both of us were, were at the game. Uh, On the same immense, row, funnily enough. Were, were absolutely immense. I thought singing from start to finish, we were, in my opinion, louder than the Watford fans, although I was amongst the Arsenal fans. So maybe that's a bit of a biased opinion, but it was very, very good in terms of the atmosphere and the feel around Vicarage Road. Uh, the game itself... Uh, I thought the first ten minutes. Well, we can start up. We can start talking about the line. Remember, just some that George. Remember, we're gonna we're gonna dissect the game in more detail. So you need just so um, yeah. So anyways, um, can we start with the lineup? So, what did you think of the lineup when it came out? What were your first impressions, and were you confident reading that eleven? Well, what I would say was well, I was at the pub before the game with my brother and my friend, and I said I wanted to see Mavropanos start. I don't know why I said it, but it was something that just sort of came came into my head about an hour and a half before kickoff, uh, obviously with Socrates not being able to play. Uh, and so I was very happy to see him starting. Wasn't so sure about uh, leaving out uh, Kalasinac and Maitland-Niles because I know the, the five at the back with wing-back systems had become quite, quite important for us over the past few months. Um, I like to see uh, Xhaka and Torreira back uh, in the midfield together because their partnership over... I think the the twenty two game unbeaten run was 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 pretty pivotal. Um, didn't really care that Urza wasn't playing. It's an away game, so I didn't care that much. What I was upset about uh, was Lacazette not playing. Although I'm sure Emery had Thursday in mind uh, when he picked Bamiang instead. But I feel like Lacazette always gives us uh, sort of a target point, uh, and he always is the his sorry the focal point, and he is the guy who will set the tone up there with his pressing and his intensity which I think obviously Emery knows better than me because the way we scored the goal was from pressing so and it was a Aubameyang uh, what about yourself Jack? No look I was um, I, I was happy when, when the team came out um, one thing I felt for quite a while that whilst it's important to go away from home and, and play your best football you do need to mould the way you go about the game when you're away from home so in in that aspect, one thing which which I saw earlier in the season because um basically I, obviously I go home and away. George gets to whatever as many ways as he can. But one thing I noticed at the earlier days was that when we went on that unbeaten run, 
the reason why we were more solid away from home then compared to afterwards was because we were able to play, for example, Xhaka and Torreira together and have that strong that strong knitting field. And if we look back at Everton, the one thing which I think cost us then is when you go when we go away from home, you need to have that midfield partnership to basically bully and win the the, the, the game in the middle of the park. Whereas at Everton, when we play Guendouzi, who's been great this season, without an experienced player next to him, in that regard, El Nenny, rather than a Xhaka or a Ramsey, for example, we lost all of that. And I think that's one of the different that's what that was one of the biggest impacts yesterday was being able to have that partnership in the middle again, to have that that have that muscle. In, um, in terms of the back four, uh, I honestly thought we bar that one mistake for the penalty, whether or not you call it a penalty or not against Spurs. I thought he had a, he, I thought he played there right back. And I think and yeah, so the idea of playing him at right back due to him being more defensive than Maitland Niles, I did understand. Um, Koscielny, um does, doesn't really need any kind of explanation. Mavropanos, uh, I was delighted. Um, I've been watching Mavropanos since when he joined the club. I, I used to, that season, went to a lot of youth games in particular at uh, Meadow Park. And watching him, he, he when he's confident and when he's got his game time, he's very composed, strong. He's, he's, a complete, he's all the attributes to become a, a complete centre-half. And in fact, the only reason why I thought he was a little bit shaky yesterday is because He's been injured all season, only had a can for, like, I think, a game or two for the under-23s this season because of injury. And it's just getting that back to match fitness and that match sharpness. Um, Monreal left back, I personally would have played Kolasinac, but because I think Monreal's his legs are, are gone, he's be more better to a left centre-back than a left-back these days. But then, to an extent, no complaints. Obviously, midfield, as I've said. Um, the front three, I could see what he was trying to do. <coughs> but, um, yeah, look. In my opinion, you've got to play at a higher work rate when you go away from home. Um, my ideal, if we had all players fit, rather than playing Mickey there, probably would have been a Welbeck to play alongside a Wobi. The Wobi, I think, has to play away from home due to his physicality. Being up front, yes, Lacazette's been quality for a season and he's unbelievable. But for that bit of pace as a central striker, we're probably better off with Aubameyang. And having a, a plan B like Lacazette off the bench to either play alone or with Aubameyang is... is is a very, very, very solid option to have off the bench. So yeah, I was I, I was happy with the team, and I was also happy to see us go back to a four, to a forty-three-one. But yeah, um, so George, the first twelve minutes was very eventful. It felt as if Watford were pressing us quite a lot. We were a little bit shaky at the beginning, but then um, see, this is the thing. A lot of people are saying calling it a, a Ben Foster mistake for Bamians, but was it really? Because in my opinion, it was shit determination and work rate and whilst it's easy to say that Foster made a mistake I actually thought it was exceptional play from Aubameyang as a striker to 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 act the way he did because yes it yes the ball got hit off his foot but the way Aubameyang was able to intercept it did show in my opinion brilliance more than a mistake on behalf of Foster I mean you can look at it both ways uh, in terms of and offensive and uh, uh, Bamiyang himself, brilliant. That's what I expect from my from my uh, from my striker. Uh, but for Watford fans, I'm sure they'll be looking at Ben Foster and thinking, "What's he doing?" If Leno did that, I'd be thinking the same. Um, but yeah, no, very very impressive pressing from Bamiyang, uh, who started the game well. Unfortunately, I, in my opinion, couldn't sustain that level of performance through the 90 minutes. But at the same time, not many of them did. Um, I feel like I feel like Torreira going off at half time. Although having just seen Emery's post match, uh, can we can we just uh, stick to the first half before we? Can we stick to the, the first half before we go into? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Apparently, he had a little knock, which is why he went off. But what I was going to say was, uh, Torreira in the first half was very, very good, and he was he was everything that we've missed when he hasn't been there. Uh, he crunches into tackles. He makes the game look very, very easy. The only player that who I've seen at Arsenal in the past, I would say six, seven years, who he, he replicates when he's on the ball is very similar to Cazorla. Maybe not as technically gifted, but he has that bite that Cazorla didn't have, which is uh, something that Arsenal have been needing in the midfield for a very, very long time. Um, and I thought him, uh, him and Xhaka complement each other very well, and they did so uh, last night. Um, however, I feel like sometimes when we go away from home, we just sort of slip into this lackadaisical, slow, we don't pass the ball fast enough sort of mentality. And that sort of let um, 
let Watford get get back into the game, especially after Dini got sent off, which, I mean, I haven't seen it back yet, but from what people have told me, was a red card. Um, maybe a bit soft, but not needed. Um, um, in fairness, I, I, I actually watched it back just before. Um, and essentially, the ball got knocked on. Um, Torreira was, I think, was running for the ball or sort of going for the ball, and the ball got moved, got played. I'm not sure if it was, I can't remember exactly who passed the ball, but the ball had been played on. And basically, ran past and just stuck his arm out and elbowed Torreira straight. Like, like, elbow or arm doesn't really make a difference, just hit Torreira straight in the face, but like, without any intention, like, trying to get past him, but then it just literally just smashed him. Like, it, it was 100% a, a record. Yeah, I th- I, th- I, th- I thought so. From where I was sitting, um, to be honest, the only thing I saw was the ref showing the red card. I was confused at, about what had happened. And then I sort of started to see what could have happened. And yes, a red card seemed mm. seemed quite suitable. But once that... Fun, once the red... fun, just really quickly, fun, funnily enough, you know that, uh, that, that scene from Sky Sports News all those years ago, Chris Kamara with the red card, uh, um, and he was like, I don't know who it was. He wasn't watching. Literally, yeah, for, 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 literally, we just for those of you who know the way it seemed in the in, in, obviously because we were obviously the big in the stands. Scored the goal, so the scenes in the actual away, and we're going. Men, I just glanced at my phone just to check the time, um, and just I like videoing like the songs and reactions just at a game, just so I can always like look back on them for my memories. And I remember I looking up and I just saw a red card, and I saw all of our players appealing around a ref. Sorry, 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 all the players behind the ref. And there was talk he's going to get sent off. And I was thinking, oh, so typical. We go one nil up away from home. And within a minute later, we get a player sent off. And then I saw Dean and I'm just there thinking, what on earth has happened? Everyone around me, everyone was too busy celebrating the goal. They didn't understand what happened for Dean. So it was just such confusion. But it was, it was, it was, just, it was just like that Chris Kamara moment. But just like to touch upon that, Dean is a prime example where in football, give it all large and be cocky before a game, whether it's as a fan to another fan base in terms of playing, let's say, a derby game or whatnot, or even as a player, because the chances are, in the majority of cases, overconfidence normally costs people and comes back to bite them harshly. Anyway, yeah, George, Karen, what were you about to say? Um, just from an offensive point of view, uh, after the sending off, um, we just lacked that cutting edge. Um, maybe uh, Ozil being on the bench was was the reason for that. Um, but I thought we actually got the ball out to wide areas quite well. Um, and then from the wide areas, in the first half particularly, I don't think Mkhitaryan and Iwobi did enough. I feel like, especially Iwobi, his uh, interplay with Ramsey and those around him was very good. And he'd sort of be, I remember a one-two he did with Rambo and he got set, set free almost. And when he got to the penalty box, he just slowed down and sort of, looked like he panicked and for me playing football and 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 just watching good players in that final third the best players are the ones that are decisive and have have an image of what's going around them in their head and for me sometimes Iwobi struggles to have that image and struggles with the decision making uh, part of the game of which in the second half he improved see I I actually I, I I mean I to an extent disagree with that I think Iwobi actually made a lot of great runs going forward, and I thought yesterday as a whole, his private, his sorry, private, sorry, his um, his final ball was actually a lot better. And I think over the course of last um, last so many games, he has been improving at quite a good rate. Um, I, and I do think that once Iwobi does get that perfect, he will be one of the most dangerous players in the league because he does have that potential. I didn't think he was necessarily an issue going forward. I think where we lacked in the first half is when we had those chances to attack. If Mickey got the ball for a shot or let's say he had a chance to, to get the ball, he either bottled a challenge or there was a chance when the ball went, um, when we put a cross in and they went to clear the ball with a header and Mickey basically saw the guy jump up, didn't jump for it. When he actually knocked the ball to Mickey, Mickey should have had been should have been put, like, happy had a shot on goal at that point. But he didn't because he, he wasn't going into tackles at all. Or in going forward, he was, I think, a, a, a bit too reserved. I think with Iwobi, with the reason why when he, he'll drive in the box and slow down, is because he uses his skill and technique to get through it rather than where a normal winger would have that pace because Iwobi's not an out-and-out winger. He's a more of a creative player. But because of our lack of, uh, of, of, of wingers, we are forced to play him as an example as a winger. But the truth is, if we actually had a proper fast wide man, we wouldn't need that. We need a case where, for example, when we play Kalasanac, where he'd bomb forward and put a ball in straight away, Iwobi's not that sort of player, if that makes sense. So what I understand what you're trying to say, and I do agree with you to an extent, 
I don't think Iwobi was an issue. I think, and despite the fact that I have seen on Twitter, this has caused a, there's been a bit of reaction about this. There's a massive divide in particular. Obviously, Iwobi, a lot of fans criticise Iwobi unnecessarily, but there's a very strong divide I, I, from what I've seen. That I, some people say Iwobi was unbelievable, and some say he was completely useless. I personally think he had a very, very good game for us overall. But yeah, I just wanted to, t- to touch upon that. And it was yeah, no, look, I'm I'm definitely not I'm definitely not on the Iwobi was dreadful, he should have been off. I'm definitely not there. I'm somewhere in the middle. I feel like in the second half he improved a lot. I feel like just sometimes in the first half he sort of got to the box and yes, he's a very, very skillful player, but there's ways in which players use their skill. If I compare him to someone of the same age, obviously different quality, Leroy Sane at City, when he gets to the box, you can see that he's thinking, what am I going to do? And he, he sort of knows what he's going to do even before he gets there. Whereas with Iwobi, it's sort of, he's got skills. Sometimes he uses it. Sometimes he rather nuts a player than actually get past him. It's sort of, it's sort of not as calculated as, as someone like Sane. Uh, and, and what I would say was... But that's because Sane, this is what I understand. This one thing that, that I do find with you, George, you make quite unfair comparisons. Sane and Iwobi are very, very different players. Iwobi isn't a winger. Sane is an hour and hour winger. Iwobi's only playing there because we have no other option. Okay, but Iwobi's played as a winger for Arsenal since he got since he came to the first team. So that's I disagree what, three, with that. So, that's three, so the way Arsene Wenger, the way Arsene Wenger used to set out his team was he'd play a four-two-three-one, where and he's done this with Cazorla and Ramsey, where on one side we do have a proper winger, but on the other side he likes to have, despite the fact they're playing more out wide, he likes to have more of a central midfielder-esque player. So he's used to play Ramsey on the right, he's played Cazorla on the side and he did the same with Iwobi and that's how Wenger set out his 4-2-3-1 so he wasn't necessarily as a winger or like a right midfielder if that makes sense but there's, and there's a very very big difference between the two as you know yeah but but as much as I appreciate that and yes in at youth level he was a 10 slash a striker he can beat a man because I've seen him do it and he did it in the second half it's not like he can't do it it's just sometimes sometimes yeah. he'll always look for uh, either hitting the ball through someone's legs or trying to sort of tick attacker his way through players instead of going around players. And I know Stand he can that. do it. In fairness, That's the frustration. That's in, the frustration. In, fa- in, in fairness, this is something I do want to touch upon because Iwobi is another player that I've been following long before he broke in the first team. What upsets me with the fan base is that they've got, they're very, very impatient with Iwobi. They seem to think, like, I've seen cases where Iwobi's hit the post and he'll still get abused in the stands. People don't appreciate the job he does for the team. People don't appreciate him as a player at all. And I think from a player that's come through the youth ranks, people need to realise he needs to get behind players as a whole, but in particular those youth players. Because even though Iwobi's now, obviously now a first team regular, he's still developing, he's still young. And, and players thrive of confidence. And while people think that players don't see kind of stuff, they do. And it does bother them. And when you're a player and you're playing for your club, if you could do anything right and you're still going to get cussed, it, it, it does it does demoralise you. And one thing which, which, which relates to that, and, and this is not me trying, this is not me trying to throw shade at anything, but just the overall nature of, of, of the fan base at the moment. It's as though it's popular to abuse. And I think on social media in particular, not, not necessarily as much at games, but on social media as a whole, people have have taken a think that they can get views or, or likes or, or, or retweets or shares by abusing players and following this bandwagon set by uh, individuals who don't who have their opinion but people seem to think that their opinion is, is God but the truth of the matter is that it, it, it's a massive issue at the club and I do th- and I and the, no matter what anything happens at the club moaning but that moaning becomes abuse and it's like it's as if as though people want to be fashionable which something which should never even be fashionable if you if you see what I'm trying to say George where it's 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 good to to abuse players and, uh, and bitch about certain people in the in the team the club but the reality is this it doesn't matter because for example there's so many people have a, such such a set driven agenda on players or on certain things in the team and no matter what they won't change that or they'll just have all that all other people will 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 have will see an agenda because somebody else does and it's not correct but I do think that's probably one of the biggest issues in the fan base at the moment as a whole and it has hindered Iwobi's development to an extent and I am scared that it will happen to Quinduzi because people need to realise Quinduzi isn't going to be first team ready he's been very very good significantly better than expected and blown everyone away yes but there's still a lot of work to go 
It's like people are trying to get on Reese Nelson's back because he doesn't start games as Hoffenheim. After this X amount of games out, he came back, scored a goal straight away when coming on. People need to realise these young players. Yes, they might go for 40 mil like Hudson Adoy got an offer from Bayern Munich, but that doesn't mean that they're what, what people think about when you say a 40 million pound winger, because that's just the way the market's inflated. And I think people underestimate, I think people look at the old values of a market and don't adjust them to inflation, realising that it does cost more money to get you X and that young players need to develop further and they need confidence. And I think that one thing that we do fail to do as a club is that a lot of people don't get behind the, the team uh, for, for that 90 minutes. A lot of people will carry their agenda through the game. And the truth is, for that 90 minutes, and what I personally think should be the time that they're representing the club, yes, you may not like them, yes, you may not like things about them, ever, but you have to back the players. Because at the end of the day, players come and go, but what doesn't go is the badge, the crest, and the ethos and the history of the club, the red and white, the cannon, if you see what I'm trying to say. And in that, in that retrospect, you support the club, therefore you have to support those representing it. Like People, there's this, like people seem to think that, that as an Arsenal fan base, we're entitled to have a certain calibre of Arsenal player. But the truth of the matter is, if I have to be honest, we're, we're a spoiled fan base. We saw the glory is with Wenger and we seem to think that even now when we haven't won a title for, for, for nearly five, what, 15 years now, that we're entitled to be title challenges every year and have to have the best players. Because but we've had spells in our, in our history where we've been unbelievable. For example, George Graham, Arsene Wenger and obviously Herbert Chapman. But those eras are also with a, it, with like a long period of time when there isn't anything. I mean, from George Graham, I think it was like, I mean, I, I, this figure will be a couple of years either way. But it was something like we hadn't won a league for 17, 18 years. It's very inconsistent like that. Like we went through obviously over a decade without nearly, a de- I think it was, was it nine or 10 years? I can't remember for, without a trophy drought of anger, obviously 15 years without a title. It comes and goes, but because a lot of people have either only started watching Arsenal because of the Wenger glory days with, with the French revolution and whatnot, in terms of the players coming in, people seem to think that we're that despite the fact we are a massive club globally, people seem to think we're entitled to win everything. And the truth is we're not. And people need to realize, yes, there will be years where you don't have necessarily as good a squad as the invincibles, but you've still got to back the team regardless and stop comparing them to the bloody Invincibles because that was a unique side. Do you know? Do you see what I'm trying to say, George? Oh, no, 100%. And I feel like, especially with Wenger being our manager for so long, and now, obviously, we've, we've got Emery, there's going to be a period of time where you have to give leeway to Emery to give him time to change what's, exactly. what's happened before like, just, just quickly, one thing that, that, I mean, that well, I just want to add to that quickly before we, before we see move on, but... People are starting to say that like people uh, are cussing Emery going, oh, if you don't get... I've seen people generally say, if you don't get top four, then they sack the manager. And you see this hostility. Like, for example, people go, we've got to get third if we don't. It's, it's, a, it's a failure and everything. No, it's not. We're now in we're now in the middle of April. We are in a fantastic race for, for a top four. Yes, it's not the title. And yes, there'll be the couple of twats that will say, oh, we've got to push for the league. It's not good enough because we're Arsenal. Stop that. We are so much further ahead than anyone could have seen. And the truth is this. Yes, it would be nice to finish above Spurs. But if I have to be honest with you, and yes, it would be hilarious, bragging rights, all of that. But if I have to be honest with you, so long as we get Champions League football, I couldn't care less how we get there. Whether it's through the Europa League, whether it's coming third, whether it's coming fourth, or whether it's getting a top four spot and winning the Europa League. I don't care so long as we're there. Because what's important, and people are going to say that, like for example, I heard that that, that idiot Adrian Durham on, on Talk Sport say that Arsenal and Chelsea don't deserve to be in the Champions League because unlike the English teams this year, we won't contend out of the knockout stages. Now, and that argument is something which has been said quite a bit as well by some Arsenal fans. But the truth is this. I don't, give a, I don't care if we're not good enough for the Champions League as a competition, right? What I care about is the money that we get from qualifying for the Champions League. So... The way that, just to touch on this quickly, just explain my point. The way that we work as a club with a self-sustaining model, it, it doesn't, Cronky doesn't need to get, put money in the club necessarily. And also the way that the game is moulding in financial fair play moving forward, every other club will have to follow a similar principle that we do now. But we're allowed to, the whole deal has always been, we can spend whatever we earn. So one thing that cost us dearly in January, people can say, oh, blame Ozil because he's on wages. That's not the case at all. The main issue was because it was a period where all of our existing sponsorship deals, where we get bonuses and money, which is what we earn, all that expired and all the new ones come into effect at the end of the season. So we didn't have that, 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 we didn't have that, available, that available money. 
But so, for example, if you just add up, and I'm not saying we're going to spend this in the summer, but based on this principle, we have about 95 million pounds starting a year from the Adidas deal and the Emirates deal collectively. We, if we get Champions League, well, that's another, I think, 40, 50 million in TV money. Obviously, we also get the current TV money packages, but we're also nearing towards the end of the current deal. Um, and then player sales, which the way the game is heading, off it or not, even players like El Nenny and Mustafi, you could still probably get between 10 and 20 million for, maybe even pushing a bit higher for Mustafi. You never know, because that's the way that the market has inflated. So on that principle, we should have a lot of money this summer. But the point is, is that the point I was making, so I could backtrack that was just to explain it, is that it doesn't matter how we get Champions League. I don't care if we're not ready. Honestly, yes, I would love us to do well. Yes, I love my club. And yes, I want us to win the Champions League. But at the same time, even if we get knocked out in the group stages, but still qualify again next season, it doesn't matter. Because the whole point is we need to rebuild our squad. Yes, Emery's brought in Emery players. He's got five players, which is, which is a significant amount in terms of obviously rebuilding a squad. But at the end of the day, we need to keep building on that. We need to spend big money on a centre-back. We need to improve our defence. We need to get wingers in. Because I tell you what, and I, I don't think we're far off where Liverpool were before they signed Van Dijk. I think if we have a proper winger and we have a, 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 a top-quality centre-back, there's no reason why we can't... I'm not saying win the league, but there's no reason why we can't contend for the title next season. There's no. I mean, look, yes, City-Liverpool are streets ahead, but those from everything this season, that is where we've lacked the season. And that... If we were to, to 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 do that, then not only will we be better away from home in terms of our defence, because we have a better defenders with defence, obviously the quality defensive midfielders in front we've got already, but we'll go that one. Because the truth of the matter is, this season, despite everyone thinking we're as a write-off, we're not going to Champions League. There's, we're one point behind Spurs. I mean, if we finish ahead of Spurs, we're the best of the rest. Obviously, after City and Liverpool. Therefore, those sorts of signings would push us to the next level. George, what, what, do, you, what do you make of that? No, like, I, I agree with what, I 100% agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I think that a big point that you sort of touched on was the fact that he's only bought in five players and look where he's taken us to. If someone was to tell me we'll still be in the Europa League... I, I, just, I we'll wouldn't be... say only five players. It, 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 it's, it's a lot. When people say rebuild a squad, you're not going to sell 11 men. Five not, players, no, five five players not, but, in your first winter, despite the fact they weren't big money signings, are are big additions that mean you can't. People, can't, I find it normal people just say this is a complete Arsene Wenger team, when the truth is it really isn't because he signed five players and the majority of them do play week in week out. But yeah, Kara, sorry about that. Um, what I would say is that's still less than half the team that if if they were all to play every single week, that's still less le- less than half the eleven that play. So although yes, he has brought players in. This is still not like the squad as as a whole. It's not his squad, so he needs time to build upon that, and we need to give him time to do that. And what I would say is, I say asked, he needs a new squad. I think I personally think I mean? that he does need. I personally think that. No, no, no. So when I say a new squad, I'm saying he doesn't need to sell all 21 members of the squad, whatever it is. He, he I'm saying they're all know, they're still. He, a, what I'm saying is there's still a fair few players in the squad that that want to have in a team, like quite a lot of them. And like for example, if I just quickly go through it, just through it now for for point's sake, obviously we have to get a new keeper because Chef's going. But but Leno he'd want in a squad, Bellerin he'd want in a squad, Socrates, Koscielny, Holding, Monreal's getting older, yes. But in terms of a squad, what you need, Monreal, Mustafi, obviously Mustafi is Mustafi, but still we've got we've got a lot of players. For example, if you, if you go through the one try to say if you go through the list of the team, there aren't that many players that you'd get rid of. To the issue we've got is if we lose a player. Because playing three at the back or whatnot, then we do look very light. We do need to add a couple of more pretty quality specs to, to build there. And we think is, but for example, if you go through it, there's still a lot of players here that if you're a manager going to a team, you would want in your team. Do you know what I mean? Like, we, 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 I just feel like the, the, when we say building your squad, it's more like move to a city model where you, you can literally be weak and we change it every week and you're still as strong. Or, or as, but, the, but but exactly that's my or, point that that that's the I point I'm trying to make exactly. I know I know I'm saying I only think we're not, we're about five or so players off that now. And that but that again as you said that's that's quite a lot. Um, you you look at we Arsenal Football Club and and you say that you hate when people say this but Arsenal Football Club should never be in a situation where you're relying on a 19 20 year old Genduzi and El Neni to be your centre mid partnership away from home. It should never happen. So, Hello. so the fact that the fact the fact that we've had to do that. But what I'm trying to say is, I agree with you. What I'm trying to say is, 
Yeah, I'm saying five or six is a lot of players in terms of when a manager comes in and people saying that it's a complete Arsene Wenger team when it's not. That's what I mean in terms of a starting eleven. But what I'm trying to say is that in terms of um, the club, in terms of the club and building a squad, everyone said it'll be what four, like three seasons worth, or four or five transfer windows or anything, and we've got potential where we could do it in two, two and a half in terms of summer windows. Do you know what I mean? So we've actually shortened shorten the, the 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 period of time which would expect it to when we're ready to contend if we, if we sign where we need to which i do think we will and i mean it, it would only make sense to do so i mean the liverpool model is a prime example i think that's just credit to emery and the staff that work work around him i think we got quite lucky with mislintat in the way that i think that we he sort of must have had players at the top of his list who he wanted who he scouted and wanted and it looks like we've got them in genduzzi and Torreira. um so the fact that he's gone now, obviously it's a bit of a shame, but I trust... Uh, I don't, I don't think it is. I don't, I don't, I look, it's, a, it's a shame because of his reputation and everything about him. But on a realistic level, we, it, you can replace the scout. But just quickly, because we have really deviated. Let's just get back onto the game. Um, so, uh, just, just to sum up quite quickly so we can move on to, to Napoli. What did you make of the second half overall? It's like, just sum it up. How, how did you think it went and what would you have done differently? Tactically, I feel like Emery was focusing too much on the Napoli game um, than the game that we were actually playing. Because for me, although he may have had a slight knock, you don't bring off Torreira in any circumstance. You don't bring him off because he is the foundation of our midfield. Um, He then decided to change it to a a back three uh, without wing backs. It was three centre backs. I think it was a 3-4-3 he changed it to uh, with, I think, Ozil, Ramsey and Xhaka all on the pitch together, uh, which I don't think would work because Ozil's not a winger, neither is Ramsey. So you've got, you're in a situation now where you've got two centre mid spots with three centre midfielders or two centre midfielders and a 10. Um, he realised that mistake pretty quickly and then bought on Ainsley uh, and went back to a four, which I think worked better. But in terms of the performance and the intensity, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed, if I'm honest. Um, I th- I thought, although we did create a few chances, this is what I was going to say uh, before, Iwobi improved a lot in the second half and he was released, he had more space down the left-hand side uh, and his final ball did improve in the second half and he did create chances. Uh, one, obviously, the Mkhitaryan chance, which from where I looked like, looked like he missed an open goal. But afterwards, I found out that it was a good save from Ben Foster, but he should, still should have scored that. And had he scored that, I think we would have been a lot more comfortable. Um, but obviously he didn't. Uh, and uh, we looked very shaky, uh, especially in the last 10 minutes. I mean, Ainsley made an absolute fantastic tackle, which probably saved the goal. Um, but but to be honest, Jack, my, my feelings uh, on the game itself is it doesn't matter how you get the three points as long as you come away with all three, which we did. So I was very happy. Uh, what about yourself? Jack? All right, sorry, I forgot to unmute myself. Um, no, um, as, I, as I said on my interview on FTV um, and, and I've said on the podcast, I do that I 100% agree with that. You, that. We won the game and it's important that even when, when you don't play necessarily that great to grind out that result and even though, and, and to get that point, I think the confidence moving forward that we'll get from that will, will be massive, especially with what it looks like um, Leicester and Wolves dropping points which could be dropping form on the on the on the on the, on the, on the weekend um the only thing that I, I do slightly disagree with is that i do felt that we got a, when i say lucky yes we got the win and i'm not gonna moan here but on any other day i do think emery could have really cost us there i feel like yes mavropanos wasn't actually that sharp but he was we, i thought our shape at four two three um what worried me was that he basically, his error, if Watford would have scored, would have either cost us, the, would likely have cost us the game. And in the circumstance of the season, probably top four. Because a bit similar to what Guardiola did against Spurs, he overthought too much when he, with the way he set out his team and obviously bringing on De Bruyne and, and, and Sane like the 80th minute, stupidly, where, when he should have been earlier. And I felt with this case with Emery, when he'd made that change he should have been able to forecast the fact that putting Guendouzi and Xhaka there, you'll lose that kick from Torreira. And 
and he didn't accommodate it well enough. And I think by having to revert back to the four from going from four, four back to three to four, what it cost us was a situation where what I thought would have been the the, the, the obvious change, which would have been Mkhitaryan for, for Lacazette, because obviously Mickey was really wasn't clinical at all on the day. And if Lacazette had the chances Mickey had, we would have scored. And in the circumstance of the game, on the fact that they that Watford had a had a, a, a 120 minute match last week, and they were down to 10 men earlier on, and before people say we could only win one 0 against 10 men, not only is it hard more against a team of 10 men, but when it's a striker, it doesn't really do anything because there's not any, there's not any holes in the in in the attack. It's not like they've lost a midfielder or, or a centre back. So it just means they just sit back and they just use the wingers as, as attackers. They just change. It's, it's if you have to choose a 10 man team to play against, that's the, the one player you don't want the other team to necessarily lose as a striker. Um, but what I felt is that if we would have scored before the 70th minute to get a second and the chance are rather than Watford just sitting back, sitting back, sitting back, we would then would have able to probably go and score maybe four goals that day and get our goal difference there. Because if you were able to break them down early on, they'd lose that momentum. They'd lose that, that the, the desire to necessarily keep defending, keep defending because then they'd have to push more to get that goal in terms of salvaging a point for themselves. Because obviously at 2-0, it's a lot more dangerous. Because at 1-0, you never know like, whether it's a lucky penalty or, or anything. Look, we've seen the referees this season. You can they, people, Clubs are getting away with a lot. A lot of teams are getting very lucky with, with last-minute decisions and results and whatnot. And we couldn't afford that to happen to us. So that did, up, did frustrate me quite a lot. But as you said, it's just important we got the win and moving forward. Because we've got tough games coming up. But look, we were very resilient yesterday, despite the fact that we might have been a bit shaky. And what's important is we should take that momentum and confidence from an away clean sheet in particular, moving forwards onto Wolves, Leicester and Burnley, because I do feel at home will be fine, considering the Emirates is a 100% fortress. Um, George, Thursday night, we obviously have Napoli. Uh, we beat them 2-0 at home last week. Um, there's a bit of debate whether we should have settled the game there and then. Or when you know, one thing I'd like to say before we, we preview the game is that if you're looking at the game from a neutral perspective, I would much rather be an Arsenal fan in the sense that we we score two 0 up, she no away goals, and rather than from the point of a Napoli fan, but the truth is they had about I'd say two chances where they really should have scored. The one when the the ball was squared and then and the, the player skied it from from a very very good position where Czech was was completely out of position, um, and that second counter. Which, which again, they really should have scored. So I think if you have to look at it realistically, while people could say we should have scored more, I would. It, it, we're in a better position than Napoli were still because they really should have scored those chances they had. Going forward, keeping the clean sheet means that if we get an early goal, we have the ties more or less ours because then they've got to score four. Um, again, there it's a very look. One thing I just want to say is that. What frustrates me a lot is when people say, especially with Arsenal, that it's harder for us to go away from home psychologically and whatnot. When the truth is, it really, despite the fact that it unfortunately is the case, it really shouldn't be. Because unlike in the 1990s, 80s and early 2000s, nowadays every team's got a lovely pitch, state-of-the-art, unbelievable quality. The majority of stadiums, let's say probably 98% now, have great facilities or proper top-class sporting facilities. Therefore, unlike in the old days where they turn the uh, the central heating down and, and make it freezing cold and just and deliberate and just mess around with 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 the with the with the opposing team when they come to visit, that doesn't happen anymore. But the one stadium it 100% does is Napoli. And for those of you who don't know, the Napoli Stadium is in major need for either a new stadium or complete uh, refurbishment. The, from what I understand, the bottom tier and the third tier are close for safety reasons. The top tier, you can literally fall down into the road between the seats and the lower tier, again, for safe, health and safety. Despite the fact they've been good recently, the actual club aren't that wealthy yet. They're still developing funds and they can't. They don't have them available because obviously they still need to keep building the team to compete. So where they would need to prioritise a stadium they can't afford to do and it is costing them. So the stadium is petrifying. Their fans are petrifying. Um, the facilities aren't great. Everything about it is hostile, unlike an old-fashioned stadium, because it hasn't been modernised. So that does worry me, because if we can't do it at the stadiums where we really shouldn't have an issue in the Premier League, because everything's state-of-the-art, we could we suffer here, yes. I mean, a couple of years ago, when obviously when we last played them, we went 2-0 at home and lost 2-0 away. Um, I don't think that'll happen again. But I just think what we need to do is go into that in a very physical way. I don't think it'd be... The the right thing to do just to go there and part of the bus and defend because once you get broken down then then you're screwed i think we have to go there 
to attack at them. I think we've got to go there to, to be physical and bully them off the ball. But I think we've got to go there and play our way. I don't think we, we as a club, I think Emery needs to set us out to, to, to suppress but counter in the sense that a Xhaka Torreira midfield, 100%. Um, but we've got to play, Aubameyang and Lacazette, I think moving forward, we've got to play Ramsey, Ozil, Orba and Laka in a starting lineup and then have Xhaka. And for example, one example, hypothetically, would be have uh, a 4-3-3 with the middle three being Xhaka Torreira, Ramsey, and then like Ozil and a 10 with Aubameyang and Lacazette or something along those lines, because we need to take our chances. And I feel away from home in particular, and even at home, we're not as clinical. So we need to have our players who need basically a goal to put them back in form in both Aubameyang and Lacazette because their both finishing isn't as good at the moment. But we need to have the players that can necessarily finish and are built to finish, if that makes sense. So we need to go there and be physical. We need to, but we need to play our football because if because we can't afford for them to get an early goal and then we're then we're nervous and we're screwed. We need to go there. We need to capitalise on our advantage. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying, George? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the players who didn't play yesterday, Kalasinac, I mean, Ainsley came on, but not for long. Uh, Lacazette all didn't play. So for me, that tells me straight away that they'll be playing, which makes me think again, who's going to go with a, a five at the back. If he's going to go with a five at the back, he should probably play a very similar or if not exactly the same team as he played in the, in the home leg. Because um, I thought what they did very well off the ball was they condensed the space out wide and sort of forced them into playing in the middle. Uh, and when they played in the middle, that's when we pressed. And that's when you have the likes of Torreiro who's going to be uh, biting at you. And Ramsey, who who played very well that game. Uh, but maybe maybe he'll play uh, maybe he'll play Torreira and Ramsey like he did last week. Or maybe he'll play Xhaka again. I don't know. Um, but yeah, if, if he does that, if he plays one of Ramsey or or Xhaka next to Torreira, he'll play Urza as a 10 with, with the two up top, which I hope he does. I hope he does play with both of them up top. Um, but I feel like the wing backs are going to be very, very important in uh, in Naples because um, of what they offer us going forward. Uh, although Kalasinac, in terms of his end product, has been quite poor the last two games. I feel, I feel, I still feel he's a great outlet for us, uh, and he's going to hopefully create quite a lot. Um, but at the same time, uh, looking from a defensive standpoint, um, when there, when we still looked quite vulnerable. Uh, to the counter-attack, especially uh, over the top. So hopefully this is something that uh, Emery will be looking at in the next few days to to sort of rectify from the first leg. But what I, what I do want to say is, yeah. unlike the latter years of, of, of Wenger, it does look like every single game Emery has a game plan and you can see it in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, but, in fair, but can I just say in fairness that on a lot of cases season, and I'm not trying to criticise Emery here at all, but has that worked out? No. A lot of times he's being forced to make double substitutions at half time because his game plan hasn't gone to plan. And I do think, and I don't want, and whilst it's good having a manager that, 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 that people, people, sorry, whilst people say it's good to have a manager that, that changes and adapts to the game where Wenger didn't, I also think it's very important, especially with defenders, for example, to keep that shape so they have that consistency because they, defenders in particular, improve with consistency. Like, for example, when Holding first when, when broke in, when he had that run of games, he was quality. I'm talking when he first joined a couple of years ago. But when he kept like having bit part game here, game there, obviously that decreases because you're not used to players around you. I think, especially for Napoli, one thing that I found last year when we went to Atletico, which is the only game I can really draw a comparison to, what I, what, what, what I felt we struggled with was every single time we went forward, it felt like deja vu, where Monreal was, would put a cross in, it wouldn't go there, and he'd stick his arm up, like smile awkwardly, apologise and run back, and then because of the attack would be over. And I, and I, and I, I, we can't afford that. We need those balls going in the box. We need to, 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 we need to poach because we need to get a chance. And so, yeah, on that basis, 100% Kalasnach has to start. And in general, I feel Monreal has really lost his pace this season. And it's nothing against him, but if I had to be honest, I, I, would I look to move him on if it was my choice? Probably yes. Just because he's not the same player I personally don't feel comfortable with him at left back because he's get he gets lapped very very easily, but as a left centre back in a three at the back for this season, yeah, he's been doing a good job. But looking forward, would I would I like another centre back with Socrates and Holding or Mavropanos when he gets a good game, one hundred percent? And then we've got players like Koscielny who could filter through, or, or do you know what I mean? Then we've got those options. Yeah, and I get a young, promising left back that if we play a five, we play Kalasnach, if we play a four, we play this other left back, like a Chilwell, for example, or a Tierney. Because that's, no, I think we do need to get rid of the sentiment 
Definitely. Yes, and, and it's been I, a great service. modernise. Jack, Jack, I agree with your point when you were talking about the consistency of your defence. It's not good to change your working back four slash five. I agree with that. That's not the point I was trying to make about Emery changing things. Because, yes, you could say that, um, for example, uh, in a game where he'll do a double substitution at half-time, you could say his game plan hasn't worked. But if you actually, if you watched, I'm not sure if you did, but if you watched the post-Everton uh, press conference with Lacazette, Lacazette actually said, well, the manager gave us a game plan and we didn't stick to it. So although that can't be an excuse for every game, sometimes obviously Emery will get it wrong because he's not Mr. Perfect, no one is. I feel like the first thing is, does Emery have a game plan? And I think the majority of times it's yes. And is it, are the players on the pitch actually executing that game plan the way he wants it to? And for me, sometimes when they're not, that's why Emery will change it. And a lot of the times, I mean, I'm pretty sure in the, in the league, we've got the most goals from substitutions uh, this season. So for me, a lot of the time it has worked and he has uh, brought players on, which has changed the game. You look at the game against I Spurs understand that, but I said, I said that's worked, but it's from, I'm saying we should go into the games with the correct mindset. I feel like, yes, Emery's made some great tactical decisions at half time. Some he's been, he hasn't, but he's got to learn the league. He's got to learn. So I'm not trying to criticise him. Some games, some games he's made the most stupid substitution, which just haven't worked. What I'm saying is, yes, it's good changing that at half time. But I do feel that he tinkers too much with the team. I personally don't. I mean, I've seen times that Emery's changed formation two, maybe three times in a game. I personally don't like that. I think if you go out with a game plan, you need to go out with a game plan you're confident in. Because the last thing you want to do is go into a game plan. And then because you've got to make it, uh, uh, two substitutions, you're basically losing your 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 second and your 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 next two cards of, of offence, if you, if you look at it in that sort of sense. And then you've only got one other option if, if, if that doesn't work out. And it's limiting your options later on in the game. So whilst I do I, understand, yes, I it has agree. been great. No, you, you do have to take that into consideration. 100%, I understand. And that's, where, and that's where you draw back to, are the players week in, week out consistently good enough? And in my opinion, a lot of them are not good enough, which is why I feel like with the players that he's got, Emery's done a very, very good job. Um but going back to the Napoli game, it's going to be a feisty encounter, of course, and we're going to expect them to to really want it. Uh, obviously, they have to score two goals. Um, however, in my opinion, if we score, game over. No, I, I, I agree with I, I agree with that. What's your? I, uh, I, just, I, I just think we need to go out and attack at them and get an early goal. Absolutely. I don't like the idea of us being 0 0 at half time and Napoli get a goal earlier on the second half or even up until even before the 80th minute. And then their fans get hostile, we get nervous, and then extra time. Do I fancy us an extra time? Probably not. We just need to we need to, to go about this properly because it is a statement beating Napoli and it and we haven't been very lucky away from home. And also one thing I do want to say is can we please stop that we're on our way to the Baku songs? Can we stop this confidence that we're going to get past Villarreal Valencia if we get past Napoli? And I, I say what I'm about to say with a massive pinch of salt because I personally don't like the argument this is Arsenal because this is a new Arsenal. You can't compare stereotypes of old with new because you can't make that stereotype when it's a non-existent. But that still doesn't ease your mind to an extent when we've gone, got Monaco thought we're three in the Champions League and we got turned over. We do get turned over in Europe, but then again, Emery is a serial winner in the Europa League. You just, we've just got to be very, very careful. But we just also got to stop getting cocky that we're going to get past Napoli, let alone the semi-final, because Valencia are still a good team, and even Villarreal they come back. And it will be a difficult, but difficult game away from home, regardless of who it's against. I mean, Rennes were, were, were an unknown team, 12th in the French league, but the fact that they're in the Europa League when they were when we played them, that was like a cup final to them. They had Arsenal over. And yes, we had 10 men, but they were very good. And you have to remember that teams turn it on. Upsets happen in Cubs. The upsets in Cubs don't mean the team that lost is awful and they're, and they're rubbish. It just means that they either took it with too much confidence going before the game and they, they underestimated the opponent. Or it's a case where you either don't concentrate or just in general, cup competitions are a one-off. They're lucky. You have to get lucky to go through. Whereas in a league situation, obviously, you're the best team over the consistent season to come where you are. That's why, if I have to be honest, winning the title is better than any cup competition because you can get lucky with a draw, with, with, the, sorry, with, the, with the draw, or you can just get lucky 
Kentucky in general, whether it's, or, or, or maybe a minute of mad, a second of madness from either a player on the opposition. I mean, a prime example is is the season where we won, lost won the FA Cup against Chelsea. We played non-league opposition um, in the round before the quarterfinal, the quarterfinal. We then played um, City. We, we played well that day. But against Chelsea, we were fantastic. We should have caused so many more than we did, to get me wrong. But Chelsea were the, were the, were the, were the, were the, uh, the title the title winners. They also got a red card that game. You never know what can happen. And that tournament tournaments are a lot more luck than necessarily good play. And, and I do think that is something which, which us as, as fans do need to take into consideration because any team can knock anyone out. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter your stature. And especially as fans of clubs in England, I do feel, I don't understand why we doubt that because, for example, the F is notorious for, 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 for massive upsets. And they're justified, and like they're justified in that respect because cup competitions are lucky upsets happen. So things that basically footballing miracles, they're going to happen. They're most likely to happen in cup competitions. I mean, yeah, George, do you see where I'm just coming from with that? Yeah, no, absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. So yeah, um, look, moving forward, obviously we've got um, because obviously we will probably we'll do our next podcast hopefully next Monday after the Palace game, um. Just to summarise, I do think that'll be relatively straightforward. That's no disrespect to Crystal Palace. I just, I'm just much more confident with us at home. I think the Emirates is a big fortress. And yeah, I, I, I feel like... I do feel like Emery could play a weekend team just because it's a home game, but I hope he doesn't. Um, realistically, I, I personally think Mavropanos will start because of Sokri's injury and then it's a run of games. He'll get probably a bit more fit um, over the week because obviously that match fitness and sharpness he does need. Um... But yeah, I'm, I'm not too concerned over that. The one I'm, I, I'm nervous for is obviously Wednesday week, which is Wolves, which we'll talk about on the next podcast, hopefully on Monday. Yeah, George, what, what, how would you look looking forward to um, to, to Crystal Palace on, on the weekend? I can say I'm much more uh, much more looking forward to the Crystal Palace game than I am to the Wolves game. Um, obviously, along with Liverpool, I'm pretty sure we are the joint second uh highest points total at home this season behind Manchester City so it does look like the Emirates is becoming a fortress and you can see even in Emery's interviews he always talks about our home uh, he always says with the fans and and it is it although the Emirates isn't known for it being so loud um, it does seem that the players do respond to the fans when we're all together uh, so I'm yeah I'm confident I'm very confident so I'd expect nothing less than, than the three points again. And we need to be getting three points because if we want to be in the top four at the end of the season, which I personally think we will be, th- these are the games we need to be we need to be sort of, dare I say it, improving the goal difference. Um, we need to be hitting a few past Crystal Palace. Although they in are in fairness... Good. They are fairness, quite away from home, Palace. But. In, in fairness, and it's something I do think does need to be addressed with what you said about the atmosphere. One thing I've noticed, and I've watched a lot of uh, being on the away scheme now for this being my second season, is the younger generation of fans are a lot louder in terms of the atmosphere and they contribute significantly better than the older generation. I feel that as a whole, like for example, if you go to a Carling Cup game, for those of you that have sort of, sorry, Carabao Cup, the atmosphere is not a lot better than probably most Premier League home games. And what I think is something which, do I think it's an issue? Yeah. I feel that the older generation of fans, and I've got absolutely no issue with them at all, they're lovely, lovely, lovely people, um, but they don't respect the fact that younger generation can have views on football and make it impact themselves. So, And I do find there are quite a few cases where the older generation of fans are very set back in their ways, very, very opinionated because of stuff in the past, don't really appreciate the way that the football market's gone, and they seem to think, for example, a case with Ozil, and I don't want to have an Ozil, here at all but there are some people who think that just because Abdul's contract went up by whatever percentage quality on the pitch has to go up by the same percentage and it's like and, and, and they don't really I don't think they've adjusted that well to the modern era of football to in, in, in some areas and I feel that they underestimate the, the, the youth fans quite a lot and one thing I've noticed on social media is that Arsenal FC chance guy who made that LA 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 song he's been posting quite a lot of songs on, on social media He's obviously got them started in the in the Young Guns enclosure in, in the clock end, and he starts. There was some. There was it was quite quiet, but for for a song that's new, it, it was sung in in parts um, in the end of Watford yesterday. 
But what I see, for example, is because they know it's at the young enclosure and they see that the kids do it, singing the songs are probably, what, 12 to 18, based on the fact that it's in that teenage section of the stadium. They seem to think that they write a song and it's better because they're older and more experienced. Or they'll say things like, look at these little twats trying to do this in the stadium. When the truth is, people need to turn around and give credit to, to, the, to these, guy, these guys for making the songs. Because the greatest respect, it doesn't matter if you've been going to Arsenal for 40 years, as some people try and debate, or if you've been going to Arsenal for, for two seasons, whether it was your first game. If you're going to make a contribution to the atmosphere and you're going to try and make a difference, good on you. Because we do need to improve on it. Because the Emirates State is a fortress in one, but it also needs to become that in terms of the, the, the levels of noise, which is improving. But I feel that people need to respect that we're all, we're all Arsenal fans. It doesn't matter your age, who you are, where you're coming from or anything. Or even if you go for games, you still have an impact. And I just feel that people look down on, 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 the, on, on the younger generation of fans when the truth is they should be not only appreciating the work they're doing, but, but respecting it and let them do it and, and help rather than condescending them and putting them down and saying, oh, you should change this to this. Or, or people say, this is so much better, yours is shit. And making up a, a song, but which they think's in, fantastic, but the truth of the matter is it's not. And also a lot of cases where people will make uh, songs up with with much more old-fashioned tunes and whatnot, which aren't very dated to now, and it just doesn't sound very pleasing. George, would, would no, you, absolutely, would, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more, and I think that's sort of a nice a nice fitting end uh, to to the podcast because. I, I mean, I've been going to the Emirates for, for a very long time and, well, I say a very long time since it's been open, but um, but I get taken the mick out of from all fans who, I mean, all my friends who support different teams saying, oh, it's a library, it's a library, it's a library. But with, like the fan base are very capable of creating creating a good atmosphere because in, in the very big games, we do and we're very loud. Um, so any help... Do you know how I think from- they'd change it? I think a yeah, major they... issue. I think a major issue is, for example, even in the away end, you see accounts on Twitter who will have 80, 90 tickets for sale, or whatnot, and it shouldn't happen. Housing does kill the stadium's atmosphere. It does kill kill it. And one thing that does upset. There's one thing that that, that, that I do notice, and I, it, it's it's quite a lot of people debate on this one, but right, I've got basically I love it when fans who either never been to an Arsenal game before and they're Arsenal fans they come to their first game and all that I love that to bits they, you know, there's nothing I love that I love seeing fans who love the club from abroad and wake up at stupid hours in the morning to watch the team it's fantastic because they have they care for the club and they've got passion what frustrates me and it happens a lot in modern football especially with larger stadiums is that people will get season tickets simply to sell so you see cases where people either sell their season, all the games for their tickets on, on social media or, or, or they tout them before a game. And what you see, and there's nothing wrong in this because they're coming towards the club and they respect it, but it's a situation where you end up having a fair few thousand of fans who are either neutral or couldn't really care less about the game or the club and are just here so they can go to a football game in England. There's nothing wrong in that at all, don't get me wrong, but I do think if the club wants to help get the atmosphere better, they should start to regulate who's going to the games under their season ticket. They should be able to identify... Like, for example, well, so, like, if, you, if, if you pay for the season ticket, right, either people who don't... I think you should, there should be a system where... Obviously, there are circumstances where this isn't applicable, and I'm not trying to say this for every single situation, because obviously there will be circumstances where this isn't fair. But there should be a system where if you either don't go to a certain percentage of games, as in the people, the person who owns the season ticket, then there should be a way to calculate it, and then... They, you should this club should speak to you, or if it's like, for example, you either just someone new every single week, and it's not through ticket exchange, so through an Arsenal member, and it's not like you're just giving them to like your work colleague for free, like it's just every single week someone else, and you and you can identify that it's being the tickets are being used inappropriately, that season ticket should be terminated because there's a ridiculously long waiting list for for for, for the home season tickets, which it, which are only the case because idiots will clog up the the, the, the amount of season tickets instead. And either tout them off or, or anything like that. And it's just something that, 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 that needs to be addressed because we need, to, we need to basically enhance the amount of like local, for example, like fans and young people being able to get tickets rather than having to wait 10 or 15 years basically for season tickets. And we need to just, oh, uh, just need to also need to get more people in the stadium and incentivize going to more games rather than because it's cold sitting at home watching it on TV. Anyway, I think that, quickly, I think that was a quick, good quick, yeah. Quickly, just, just to end, I think. Uh, the the lack of people in the stadium in the last few years has probably been because of 
the fact that we've been in Europa League and not the Champions League. But yeah, no, I do agree with the concept completely. So, I mean, just 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 as we end, like for example, if you look at Leicester when they won the league, well, in my opinion, it wasn't even necessarily the the, the quality of the team in the league. I think it was more the fact that all the fans were in harmony and support with the coaches, the owner, the players, and everything, and that unity does bring success. People laugh when it's twelfth man. It is so important. If we're allowed, it does jeer the team on rather than just getting abusive every time there's like two mistakes in a row and then everyone turns on the team. And I don't think that, that should be the case. And anyways, we're going to get this out onto Apple Podcasts, um, hopefully Spotify. Uh, please remember to to recommend any, uh, any things you guys think we should do to improve the podcast and other forums. Thank you for listening. Um, this will be the first one going up onto this podcast. We will put past pod- the four or five or so past podcasts that we've done as rebroadcasts um over the next um so many weeks or whatnot just so they're there but they'll be very clearly labeled as that um please just to plug the social medias um don't forget to by the way subscribe like share retweet anything that helps contribute um on whatever forum um put myself on social media on twitter at the plug afc and on instagram jack goldenberg george plug away if you pardon the um, on on Twitter, George Lee123 and on Instagram, George Lee12. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Um yeah, any feedback's great. Um as just again, um give us a subscribe, like, share. Just this is new. We're starting out. Share it with your mates, with anyone who loves Arsenal or just likes hearing discussions about football. Cheers for listening and we'll be back hopefully early next week to speak about wolves and Review Napoli and Palace. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Goodbye.